if we can please take a moment to remember the tragic events that took place 32 years ago. The events at Nakamori Tower in Los Angeles. Because we're talking movies, we're talking Die Hard, starring Bruce Willis, Bonnie Benilla, and Alan Rickman, directed by John McTarran. So Chris, come to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. You know, it's funny you say that because I actually have a list of quotes because this is such a notable quotable, but the one I'm going to go with is, hey, babe, I negotiate million dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this Euro trash. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How'd You Like That Movie? This week, we're talking about the classic action film and possibly Christmas movie, 1988's Die Hard. So, Scott, take us away. Well, first, you just want to get into it. Like, is this a Christmas movie or not? Or Yeah, let's, 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 well, just, we can, we can. People we can could be keep... like, why are you doing this on Christmas Eve, right? So, yeah, first off, is it a Christmas movie or not? Yes. Yeah, it's 100% is. Okay, and what is your reasoning behind that? Okay, so I came prepared. One, the writer For the first himself, time in everything, eh? <laughs> the writer, one of the writers themselves, Stephen E. D'Souza, stated in an interview that he wrote it as a Christmas movie. Okay, so the writer he says had, it's a Christmas movie. He intended it to be a Christmas movie. Number two, the movie starts did with- Did you have to think about that? Like what comes after number one? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Number two, the movie starts with and ends with Christmas movie, and the instrumental is majority Christmas movie, uh, Christmas songs. You're talking Christmas music, yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Now, number but three. Number three, that number would be com- three. comes after two. L- let's just do this. Do you consider White Christmas a Christmas movie? Uh, I would say so. It's got the word Christmas in the title, so. All right. So I'm just going to do some contrast and compares. Okay. Takes place during the holiday. Yep. Die Hard, the whole entire movie. White Christmas, the last scene. Okay. Setting at a Christmas party. Die Hard, whole entire movie. Yep. White Christmas, the last scene. Number of Christmas songs played. Die Hard has three, Mm -hmm. which are... Let It Snow, yep. Winter Wonderland, yep. and Christmas in Hollis. Yep. White Christmas has By White Christmas. By Run DMC. <laughs> <laughs> Can you play some Christmas music? I am. That's right. And White Christmas has two. Now. Come on, Scott. Pick up the pace, let's man. Go, let's go. Let's go. radio. There's a German ringleader in Die Hard. It's Hans <laughs> Gruber. And White Christmas, it's Adolf Hitler. So if one... <laughs> only has one scene that's considered Christmas and a whole movie is taking place during Christmas and has more Christmas themes then I think by definition it is a Christmas movie you know what I uh, I can't I can't argue with any of that stuff and I can argue with most things uh, I agree with you I feel like it's a Christmas movie it is more so a Christmas movie than other obvious Christmas movies um, as you know if you guys have our, our Twitter or email or social media if you disagree with us well first off you can probably fuck off but if you don't want to fuck off you can definitely hit us up on any of those social media stuff so I mean I think that's a good jumping off point <laughs> into Die Hard outside of the Christmas aspect yeah give me your take on this movie man this is a big this is a big 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 film. I think it's it, it is one of the greatest 
action movies ever made. Okay, sure. And I think it's threefold. One, Direction by John McTarran. Or is that how you pronounce his last name? McTarran? McTarran? Or McTarran? Yeah, something like that. I mean, we are, we're horrible at pronouncing names on this show. So can we can we talk about it? Yeah, go say your piece, but I've got some crazy- I want to do a podcast just on him. Yeah, he's got some fucked up history in like, he's done some big, okay, so give, give, give me the stuff you've got because I've got my notes in front of me too. So I have the year being 2000, he's filming Roller Rollerball. He thinks the producers doesn't like his take and out to get him. <laughs> yeah, you're going where so I'm going. So he fucking hires somebody to wiretap the guy. <laughs> yes, he does. And then lies to the FBI about it. Yes, he does. And then goes to jail. So, and in addendum to that, so you are correct up to that point. So originally he was sentenced to four months in prison and a $100,000 fine. But he didn't like that. And so he gets the case basically and his plea agreement thrown out. They go back to trial and then they lay on a couple more charges of lying to the FBI again, plus a perjury charge. So instead of doing the four months, he ends up having to do a year Plus, he ends up with three years of probation. So, talk about winning. And then he comes out and has to declare bankruptcy or whatever. So, like, what a fucking shit show, man. But, fuck, he's a good director, though, right? So, okay. So, this is the list I've got for, like, some of his big films. So, Predator, right before Die Hard. mm -hmm. The Hunt for Red October. like That he made based off of the success of Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was, 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 well, because he really likes Tom Clancy and he wanted Mm -hmm. to turn it into a film. Uh then he went into Die Hard with the Vengeance, which is another fantastic Die Hard film. Uh, 13th Warrior? Man, with Antonio Banderas as yeah. like a Viking. Or, well, he's not a Viking, but like all that Viking killing and stuff like that. Man, like this guy's done some good stuff. Yes. And then he did Last Action Hero and Rollerball. But <laughs> besides the point. <laughs> I can't believe. So Rollerball is the film that he like doubles down on and hires a private investigator because it's a garbage movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, apparently, like, when I was reading up on this, apparently, <laughs> you think this is a rollerball podcast, but apparently the first draft of this movie is amazing. Of rollerball? or Of, of rollerball. Oh, okay. And he didn't like it. Okay. He wanted it more WWE spectacle, more in the rollerball, so he kind of rewrote it and took out. Ah. Which I found weird, because in the movie, there's... A bunch of WWE actual like cameos of people who are part of that company. Yeah, what, what do you mean that's weird? That that sounds like exactly par for the fucking course he was trying to trying to play on. You know what I mean? Wow, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, like he's done some great stuff. I mean, he is a very good action director. Um, and so actually, I'm gonna jump into my Thomas quote. Crown Affair. Shit, you what? forgot that one. Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, but it's not really an action movie. That's a fucking amazing movie. It is a good movie. It is a good and movie. And Rene Russo all up in it. Well, and because he works with Pierce Brosnan. Again. Which he worked with on, I think, Pierce Brosnan's first film. His first film. Yes. Nomads. Nomads. That's right. Yeah. Um, so my quote this time is from Dave Kerr, Chicago Tribune. So McTiernan, who directed last summer's Predator, composes, an a- composes the action clearly and logically, which I agree with, making use of Jackson DeGova's elaborate post-modernist set building becomes something of a character in itself. Which, I mean, I like that quote because I agree the directing is fantastic in this. It's seamless. The action sequences are great. I do have some criticisms, but we'll do that at the end. Mm-hmm. And you probably already know what my fucking criticism is going to be. It's the same criticism I always No, have. I don't think you can cut this out. Uh, we're we're going to get I, Unless you're taking out all of Argyle, but why are you going to take out all of Argyle? 
Well, that's <laughs> kind of funny that you kind of know <laughs> kind of where I want to go. Well, but it's not. I, I know you. Right? <laughs> Basically, but, oh, okay. We can we can we can get to that. We can get to yeah, that. Yeah, but I think what makes this work uh, one, um, obviously his directing, but I think Bruce Willis plays because. In reality, at that time, he was the unlikely action hero. Oh, did he's you, the, do you have a list of the guy. people they offered this to yeah, first? Yeah, like Schwarzenegger, Stallone. Stallone. So, you know, Schwarzenegger turned this down to do Twins, which I think, I think that was a great choice. Like, yeah. uh, I think this film is, I 100% agree with you, it's better with Bruce Willis. And fucking Twins is a fantastic movie, man. Yeah, I think Stallone turned it down for Rambo 3. <laughs> I mean, you know, the one where he's fighting with the Taliban. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That we won't one. talk about that. <laughs> it was the 80s, man. That's what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, Bruce Willis plays this role because, I mean, he had done a, some film. But he, he was had, that TV show with Silver Sucker. Uh, yeah, uh, Moonlighting. Yes. That's where he was most known. Well, and, you, go ahead. Go ahead. So they offered him. So this had, depending on what number, I've got like 35 million. So between 20 and $35 million budget. Five million of that went to his. fucking Bruce Willis, man. Being his first starring vehicle. Yeah. Yep. He was making more than some of the like biggest names in Hollywood at the time. Mm-hmm. They also were not happy about that. If if you haven't watched it, I would recommend the Netflix docs, uh, the movies that made us. They okay. talk about this a lot in the Die Hard episode, which is just like, and it's hilarious to watch where the agents just like, they're like, okay, we'll offer it to him. And he was like, and we went back and said, he'll have to do it for five because, you know, he's a big TV star. <laughs> Wait, so Bruce Willis's agent said five? Yeah. Really? They're the ones that came back because they could, everybody was turning it down. They, from what I remember of that episode, I watched it last year when it first came out and I didn't rewatch it for this. But from what I remember, like after everybody turned it down, they went back to Willis, and then he was like... Oh, his, so he knew. His, he knew they were in a pinch. Yeah, and then they're like, okay, we want five for it. Good man. That Your agent just made his fucking money there. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, he sure did. Um. So, yeah, this thing's got a 94% and 90-40% across the board on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, eh, 94 feels a bit high for me. Do you think that's a good rating? That's both critics and audience. They think it's a 94. That's Not a pretty that. fucking high rating, man. I would go 98. 98? 98, yeah. <sighs> because there is nothing wrong with this movie. This is almost a perfect, like, pretty close to a perfect movie. Okay, okay. You know what? <laughs> We're, you're, you're, you're forcing my hand here. Okay, so the scenes that I would work on, right? Mm-hmm. Being the big fucking famous director I am, is all this, all this stuff with uh, Reginald Vell Johnson. There, I find that his... Family you know, matters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all the cop stuff... There's some of those scenes are too long. Like I get some of that information you need to get across. Like you need to know that he shot a kid and that's, you know, why he's driving the car. So that at the very end, when he shoots the guy that there's that, that arc there, but there's some of those scenes. Like I was, I rewatched this last night just to get ready for the show. And I was like, there's all these fantastic action sequences and there's some fucking baller cinematography in here like if you're if you're like really into great like shots from a cinematic perspective and i'm going to talk about that in a little bit uh there's some amazing camera work going on and then you get into these like sluggish ass uh parts of the movie where there's this like again it's not so much the content of the dialogue it's just spread out and i don't know if that was done because i know that uh they had to give bruce willis a bit of time off in order to 
because he was still working on Moonlighting at the time, so he was like working crazy hours and stuff. Um, I, see, for me, I think you need those because that's your breath moment for that's the audience. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not saying you take them out totally, but there's taking a breath and then there's going to fucking sleep, right? And so like it's there's there's some of those moments are they're just too long and i get what they were trying to do and i do think they had success they do successfully create an action drama it's not and that's what's that's that's one of the keys to why it's held up all all this time is it's not just a straight out action film but some of that stuff could have been tightened up and not dwelled on so much anyway that's just my opinion yeah I, i disagree um because I think you need those and the time frame, not only to breathe, but majority of like those scenes that became the comic relief as well, right? Bruce Willis has a ton of again. You can you can take all of that stuff, you can put it, and you can just condense. The whole scene doesn't need to be you know three four minutes long. It can be forty five seconds. So a perfect example of uh, a film that's very high energy that just comes down a little bit and just touches the ground in order to like give you a breath and then comes back up. So like a a kind of an, not an opposite, but is the new Mad Max Fury Road. That movie is like 11 on like in, you know, six gear the whole fucking time, except for every once in a while they drop into fifth and your, your heart rate comes down and then it's like, bang, you're back up and again. And I don't know if that's just like 1980s sensibility that they just, I think if that, if you were to take this film and do everything exactly the same, I think it would be, it would just be a bit tighter. Hey, you're entitled to your opinion. This is 2021 or 2020, almost 2021. Yeah, it's almost 21. Thank God. (laughs) Thank, thank the flying spaghetti monster. But, uh, you know, you can, you can also be wrong in your opinion. Um, I rarely am, but I thought I was wrong once, but (laughs) I I think the other thing in terms of what this film did that, especially during the time in the eighties that wasn't really done is gave you a fucking villain that for the first half of the movie, I think you're kind of cheering Hans Gruber on. You want him to succeed. Well, I I would say that even at at any point, you're still kind of like, you'd be okay with him getting away with this caper. You are right though. You, you end up having more, um, like a bill sorry bruce willis tends to have more likability by the end like you are rooting for him but i mean even at the end if he got away with it i mean hans gruber like alan rickman fucking kills that role yeah like it's a it's one of my favorite villain roles and i it hasn't been tough for me personally uh in a film but i think yeah like the one thing he did and he did well like he obviously played him smart played him suave but he was the one villain that didn't lie what do you mean he constantly told you the truth yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? Like he told the um, he told the president of Nakamura, like, just give me the code. Like it doesn't matter if you give me the codes. Right? Just give me the codes. If they change them, they change them, whatever. And then he was like, if you don't do it, you're gonna get shot. And the guy constantly like didn't do it. He's like, All right, boom. Yeah, but what about the douchebaggy shoots? He told them. He told that guy straight up, like, do you know what you're doing? That guy, just like he said, he negotiated. He negotiated million fucking, dollar deals for breakfast, Bubby, uh, babe. Sometimes he's Canadian. That actor's Canadian, eh? <laughs> Got it. Remember, we love to give the shout outs to the Canadians here. <laughs> um. So okay. So Bruce Willis, as we talked about, he comes off Moonlight, or actually still on Moonlight, jumps into this. This makes him a big star. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Do you got do you got some favorite Bruce Willis films or outside of how many of these films is there's five total I believe right yes like I'll just I'll say one thing first in terms of this series I think this is well, we've had if you've been listening to us a discussion in terms of the perfect trilogy a trilogy that start to finish was great the Bruce Willis with hair die hard trilogy is one of the best <laughs> trilogies ever made. It yeah. starts strong with this one and like the third movie with Sam Jackson. But do you okay, I see what you've done here. Do you get uh, so yes, as a trilogy, I will agree with you. But if you continue to play fucking churn out shitty movies, doesn't that affect your rating or do you get a pass? I, I thought at the beginning, I, I I put a lot of thought in this and I thought, you know what? If Star Wars can get three fucking trilogies, the prequels, the originals, and the Force Awakens trilogy. Yeah, but which... Star Wars it doesn't have a Star Star Wars is exactly what we're talking about. It doesn't it doesn't have a perfect trilogy. But that's the thing. They technically rate it's a saga in whole, but it's broken up into these three movies. Oh, each I see what section you mean. is broken up into these three movies. Okay, I'll give you that. So yep. I was like the Bruce Willis with hair section. Yeah, all three right? all the first three films in this series are great. And the one that I would say is the um, the downer in the first three is the second one. Yes. Right? Because they kind of just rehash this one, but with a plane and an airport. Still a fucking awesome movie, man. Eh. I think the third one, like on par to par. Like, yep. Is, like, I think I think the first one and the third one are, are the smarter strongest. movies. Yep. They're the strongest in, in this. So, sure. okay. Well, but I mean. Hudson Hawk. I do like Hudson Hawk. Hudson, I don't know. Hudson Hawk gets a bad rap all the time, but it's a fucking fun movie, yeah, man. Yeah, Would you like to sing on a star? Like, it's <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, Bruce Willis, I think, wrote on that as well. He's one Maybe. of the writers, I believe. Maybe. I don't know. You know, that, that was in his Express Yourself years when Bruno was a, a Yeah, I didn't star. know anything about the Bruno stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah okay so what is there anything else you want to talk about with bruce willis's films like looper looper is amazing looper is very good yep six cents obviously uh yeah six cents i mean he that's a classic role for him um i mean so i've got looper i i mean i'm a wes anderson guy so i i like the, him in moonrise kingdom uh i also like robert rodriguez so planet terror and then of course he did sin city prior to that with robert rodriguez and then pulp fiction but i mean fifth element 12 monkeys yeah you know bruce willis he's got some range man he's good at playing like the typical bruce willis character but he's a funny guy you know what i mean like i what is it he's also in like the the whole nine yards the whole 10 yards the whole nine yards yeah where again he's always like like, he's kind of like the john mcclain kind of character you know what i mean like as in funny the funny cop okay the funny yeah Mm -hmm. the smart alec yeah 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 which I don't know if you know this, but, you know, in the original set of um, marketing for this movie, they took him completely out of the trailer and the posters. And then they brought him back. Yeah. Once it became a hit. Yeah. yeah. And people are like, oh, we like him by the end. Well, because people, <laughs> I, get, I, think, I think people were expecting, like, they just couldn't see him as an action hero. And I guess he's also, he says he wasn't being a douche, but he was being a bit of a douche around the, like, promotion of the film and stuff like that. So, I mean... Can now you can't picture him? Well, he's back on the poster, but you can't picture anyone else in this role. He owns that role. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Right. Like. So I do. Again, I think there's some beautiful cinematic scenes. Even so, that classic shot of him 
in the air vent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where he's got yeah, the lighter. Yeah, and I think that's lighter. actually when he says, like, yes, uh, when he says the line about, line. come out to the coast, we'll have a few laughs. Like, that is such a beautifully framed shot. But when I was watching it last night, there's a lot of stuff, like, both, both with him and Rickman and stuff, where they, like, the shadowing on the face and stuff, and it's got this, like, neo-noir kind of film. And I know that the director took a lot of stuff from, like, French New Wave. Like, there was a lot of work putting into put into this to make it more than just an action film. Now, and, wait, before you continue, because we were talking about who was offered this role, who was, do you know who the very first person that was offered this role was? Uh, I figured you would have that in your notes, so I don't have it in mind. Who is it? Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah, that was contractual, though. That's because he that's was in, the... He they they had to offer to him because he had been in the, the first book. Do you have the, the that in your notes? The detective, yeah. The detective. He had played the detective, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, he wasn't he like seventy when they made this movie? Pretty much. Matt, hey, just imagine Frank Sinatra playing that role. <laughs> hey, like Roger Moore went to Bond till he was like sixty something. So touche. <laughs> um. So yeah, back to talking about cinematography. So the DOP in this is a Dutch cinematographer named uh, Jean de Bois, and uh, so he did Jewel of the Nile, Queen of the Cave Bear, Black Rain, The Hunt for Red October. So he also did Lethal Weapon 3, Basic Instinct. But then he also directed Speed and Twister, which I think that's pretty awesome. Like, you're this action cinematographer, and then you go and direct two really big action films. Oh, yeah. Like, Speed. That was the same thing, right? Technically, Speed's just dry hot, Die Hard on a bus. Die Hard on a bus. Actually, yeah. isn't that how it was marketed? Maybe. <laughs> but instead of Bruce Willis, it's But, Keanu I mean, Reeves. that actually has... That speaks to the power of the term, like the Die Hard title, that other films then became like Die Hard in a Sharknado, Die Hard on a boat, you know, Die Hard on a Snakes with Planes, whatever, right? So, (laughs) I mean, they created a brand of film, like a high adrenaline brand of film. Yeah. Again, that's why it... it all your criticisms don't work. Cause... I'm talking about, I, again, I'm talking about <laughs> editing. I didn't say it wasn't beautifully shot. And again, so, and we do need to talk about, and I don't normally talk about production design, but because it was in my initial quote about this. Um, so the production designer on this was uh, a guy named Jackson de Gova. And he also, so he worked on speed and he worked on red Dawn. And then like years later, we worked on like the 40 year old version virgin, not version. That's <laughs> also a old... film that's currently out on Netflix. <laughs> that, I was going to say the forty-year-old version. That that's Die Hard Six. <laughs> Forty years later. So I mean, his production design is like the, the just the way the set was laid out inside this building because most of that building wasn't even occupied, right? When they were shooting in it. Yeah, it was like the, Fox... it, the Fox Plaza or whatever. Yeah, the Fox Studios they were building, I believe. Um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, like perfectly cast don't you think he's amazing he's like like god rest his soul like he was one of my favorite actors like i think i've seen almost everything he was in like off the top of my head i can't think of a movie i haven't seen that he was in but then again if i haven't seen it i wouldn't know about it this is true uh i loved him in robin hood as the sheriff oh yeah (laughs) you my room 10 o'clock you 10 30 bring a friend (laughs) Well, I loved him in Love Actually, man. Oh, like, he's so good in Love Actually. Yeah, like I was always so used to him as the villain, and then when you see him, well, he's like, kind of the villainess. No. Oh, uh, I mean, I think if you were his wife in that movie, you would think he was the villain. 
He buys that super hot chick, like that beautiful necklace, which is that great scene with him and Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, yeah. when he's just like trying to get him to buy the gift. And he's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So kind of scummy, maybe not. But it comes, it works out in the end. Well, and he also did a little movie about, that was like a, a, a movie made on these books about a wizard and stuff like that, right? So <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> what is that? Professor Snape? Yeah, he, he played Snape. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, that's how they know him, like especially a younger generation. But he was like, he, again, he's also super like drive wit. So he was hilarious in Galaxy Quest. He Dogma. Was good. Dog, well, I mean, he was amazing in Dogma. Um, so yeah, it's a really unfortunate. So Alan Rickman, if you don't know, he died at the age of 69 due to pancreatic cancer. I think so. Um, yeah, in uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. So... That's uh, again. It's a, it's really unfortunate. Yet another great actor taken too soon. <clears throat> um, yeah. And then there's uh, Bonnie. How do you pronounce her name? Bonnie Benoa. Bon, I believe so. Bonnie. Yeah. Benoa. You know. Um, That's so, how we roll. Just roll with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's she's had more of like a TV career. I she's mean, she's amazing she, on Salem's Lot. To Tobe Harper's Salem's Lot. She's awesome. Is she good that. in it? Yeah. Because yeah, she also because that's so that's Stephen King. So so is Needful Things. She, yeah, she but was that in, was a movie release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the the Salem's Lot miniseries. Yeah, by uh, Texas Chainsaw's Toby Hooper. Yes. Um, she also was uh, had a small role in Designated Survivor. But what I found really interesting is, so she is the aunt to, like, Macaulay Culkin, like the Culkins. Really? Her brother is their dad. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. She also, and this is going to tie into some other stuff I want to talk about, because I love ballet. Uh, she was also a ballet dancer uh, briefly with the New, New York City Ballet. Oh, so you're going to talk about Carl? I am going to talk about Carl. That's a that's a great great segue, segue that yeah, I created Carl, and you call Carl down here. Kind of supported. Uh, so Alexander Gundoff, who plays Carl, uh, was a principal dancer with the Bolshoi Ballet. He defected to New York in 1979. Was friends and had gone to school with another extremely famous ballet dancer, Mikhail Borushnikov who he danced with at the American Ballet Theater until he, who uh, Vershnikov at the time was the artistic director until he got in a fight with him. Basically just that wasn't jiving. So he goes off to make movies, yada, yada, yada. So it was like a black swan scenario. Yeah. It was kind of like a black swan scenario. Uh, then he was in um, the witness and the money pit. And he also unfortunately died at age 45 in 1995 due to uh, complications from hepatitis, hepatitis and alcoholism. Ooh. But man, dancing with Mikhail Baryshnikov and at the Bolshoi, that's like fucking major league ballet, man. If you're in the ballet world, that is like top fucking tier, bro. I'll take your word for it. I managed I to get both ballet, Bolshoi, and bro. Hey, that's alliteration. Ballet, bro, bro and Bolshoi. <laughs> Are you like trying to work for the clip for the next promotion? Is that what you're trying to do right now? <laughs> you're just like trying to come up with something witty trying to be witty um so yeah i mean this is a fun film uh i don't know if it's really worth the 95 percent rating on rotten tomatoes but it's good it's solid it's a solid movie no i think it's amazing and back in 1988 this was the seventh highest grossing film of yeah. the year yeah do you know who beat it out was it twins no it beat twins actually fish called wanda nope beat that uh give me a hint uh disney disney 
It's a Disney movie. Ooh, I don't know, man. You play patty cake. You want to play patty cake? The fuck are you talking? You you can you pick the worst quotes and the worst hints. Just tell me the movie. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Patty cake. So do okay. Do you know the interesting tie in between this and uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, is this a Six Degrees? No, I don't. Who Who produced this? This movie? Yes. Silver. John Silver? Yes. Joel Silver. Joel Silver, right? And who produced? Steven Uh, Spielberg? Yeah. Okay. So he, the guy, so so the guy running Disney and and Silver hated each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's actually in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They even created like a fake name and everything during like production so that What's, I can't remember the, 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 the former CEO of Disney or whatever, but they hated each other so much. So they actually sh- got him in the film and they didn't find out until after like production was done. I just thought it was like an interesting like tie in between. So he was in Die Hard? No, he's in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Joel Silver? Yes. Really? See? There you go. There deep you dive. Go. So deep. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Back in the day. And they're like, hey, there's no VCRs. No one's ever going to know about this. This is right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I don't have anything else to say. I mean, I think it's fun. I think it's a good movie. It's got a B plus, A minus in my book. Uh, it would bump B+. all the way It would, oh it would bump God. all the way up if we worked on some editing. Oh, my God. I can't wait till we do one you actually like. I didn't say I didn't like it. No, I'm saying like one of, one, one of the ones that you like fucking drill over. Like Top Gun. Oh my god! Fuck <laughs> that alone. That alone just fucking makes nothing, right? All right, but is that it? That's all I've got, man. Oh, how much did it make? I don't know. I didn't. I, you're the one. The, you're the money guy. I'm the money guy. Money, money, money. So yeah, let's say thirty-five million dollar budget made one hundred forty-two million. That's a pretty good cha-ching ching return on your investment. <laughs> all right well that's our rant for the day uh please like and subscribe to this podcast or wherever you're listening also leave us a review because that helps us as well you can reach us on any social media at how do you like that one or email us at how do you like that movie at gmail.com i'm gonna need some more fbi guys <laughs>